feeling stuck in your career or like you're not realizing your potential? Coaching Chats is the podcast for you. Through informative interviews and practical advice, we will help you assess your skills and interests while providing actionable steps to overcome challenges. Become the best version of yourself with Coaching Chats. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Stacy Anderson. Stacy is a parent and child coach. Stacy used to be a full-time mom and joined Ecology in September 2020, when she was helping her three boys go back to school after the lockdown. In the past 18 months, she has been on a self-discovery journey making significant life changes and working her way through ecology. Her favorite things to do in ecology are to host vaults and run accountability clubs. I will tell our audience how we met. I met Stacy when I did my first uh, vault at ecology where she was acting as an observer and I was acting as a coach. I found her encouraging and constructive feedback very helpful on my performance. In this episode, we will talk about the restrictions that labels can have on children when they diagnosed. Specifically, in this episode, we are talking about children with special needs. How labels put children into the boxes. So let's delve into the main theme of this episode. Welcome, Stacy, to this new episode of Coaching Chats. Hello, Roxana. Thank you for the invite. My pleasure. Uh, Stacy. I thought to start today's conversation, maybe just for our audience to know you a little bit better, what, what actually prompted you to become a coach? Well, I've been a full-time mom for the past 13 years. Before, I was working in kitchens and factory canteens and things like that. But having two special needs children, there was such a fulfillment when I helped them through the, the obstacles that they faced and see them grow the way they did. I thought, this would be a really, really good thing to do as full time, and not just with my kids, but with other people's kids as well. So, um, it was, yeah, it's, it's always been... Even working in the kitchens, being a counsellor or a coach was like an unwritten job description. We get everybody's problems and that was a part of the job that I loved. So, so yeah, that's why I took it on. Thank you very much. And you mentioned kitchens. Is Do you pronounce it correctly? Is that like a, is it a company or? Kitchens, well, like restaurants. Yeah, factory canteens. I was a cook. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was a cook for 18 years and yeah. So helpful, especially for children and, you know, in the family. Someone, yeah. yeah. Someone yeah. who knows how to cook, that's that's a big benefit. Yeah, I didn't sign up to cook every day for 18 years, though. <laughs> it's very like, well, enough's enough. Yes, yes. Obviously, as you said, it, it, it really made sense to you um, to become a coach because, as well, you, you have three, three children and two of your children have some... The two of your children with special needs. Okay. And yeah, and as you said, you have different interactions with people as well during your during your career. In this episode, obviously we yeah, we will we will talk about children with special needs. And I was wondering, Daisy, because you have a lot of experience as well, practical and personal, can you share some common labels or diagnoses that are often given to children and how do these labels impact their lives? Well, the ones that I've seen so far, are the, the, the three main ones, which is ADHD, autism and Asperger's. And for some reason, they automatically go to what the child can't achieve, what the child can't do. So that's the way the child's identified as. This is what my kid can't do. My kid can't be like anybody else. My kid can't go into um, mainstream school. My kid can't go out in public. Really? It's it's looking at the strengths and saying, right, okay, 
because I've always said what they lack in something, they gain in something else. And it is, is finding that and letting them find their own way because they've been diagnosed with these conditions. I mean, I know there is some that is extreme. I get that. But there is some that it's, doesn't even hinder the, the lifestyle. It might have an, an impact on the, the learning. That doesn't mean that they can't learn. They're just not learning in a way that they're taught to learn. And that doesn't mean that they don't have any aspirations or dreams for the future. That doesn't mean they haven't got any driving force within them to reach what they want. As soon as a, a child is diagnosed, like I'll give you a for instance, when I was at one of my parenting groups, um, we were working with special needs nurses and there was a, a father there. But his child was worse than mine. He, he was like on a, the higher scale of autism. And all he says to me, oh, all he says was, I just want my child to be obedient. And I just thought dogs are obedient. The children are designed to push, are, are designed to challenge rules. And that's how a child grows. But because he had that diagnosis, he just constantly saw his child as naughty, as troublemaking. Uh, Raham constantly telling the child off. He could see the child wasn't learning the way he could learn. So we just need to be careful with diagnosis, especially the way they get thrown about. And the other experience I've had is in high school, where children are diagnosed, even by the teachers, by that they've got depression, they've got anxiety. And the children start identifying themselves as that, so they need to be very, very careful. And instead of just going, I think you've got depression or I think you've got anxiety, talk to the children. Give them space, give them time just to be heard. Sometimes that's all it takes. So that's that's what, what I've seen in my pro professional and personal life. Thank you, Stacey, yes. And it seems to me as well that even in your first example, even parents themselves can give this negative, you know, labels and because, I don't know, they're not aware of how talk to a child and be careful very careful what you say isn't it yeah i mean i'm i mean don't get me wrong i didn't walk into this with my abs open i walked into this with my eyes and i panic going oh my god my child is going to be so different and that's why i would like to work with parents because it's that panic that sets in saying i need to make sure my child behaves the way every other child does if not they're going to be told off they're going to be ostracized they're going to be told they have to go to special schools they're just going to be bullied they're going so i need to make sure that my child acts like everybody else so you tell your child off you want your child to act a certain way but because the panic is set in you don't realize what it's doing to the child so it's having that awareness of how you're acting and what and even how the child learns they're just amazing little creatures these are oh, i love children i love seeing how they pick up things and how they how they deal with challenges because they're more equipped with them than we are because we see them as these fragile little things that we are supposed to look after but they can teach us as much as we can teach them and it's just taking that time to understand that and see that well yeah Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I can see Stacey, you're very passionate about this subject and so that's why I couldn't I couldn't wait to um, invite you to my, on my show and talk about it. And just for our audience, um, I don't have children, so Stacey is an expert. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, so that's why I'll, I'll probably will ask her a lot of questions. So for my understanding and generally, but obviously I did my research before we started today and I could imagine how it's actually feel sometimes given our society. And, you know, as you said, Stacey, some parents, they want the best. They for their children, they mean well, but sometimes maybe lack of self-awareness can actually even be more detrimental to them. This yeah. is, this is, yeah, that's what that's people a... need. Yeah, sorry. I mean, at, at this like, you describe me as an expert. I am anything but. I'm a mom, right? I'm a parent. I'm I'm a human being. I, I have never had a 17-year-old, so I'm still learning what it's like to have a 17-year-old because my oldest is 17. I have never had a 17 or 15 year old, so I'm learning about that. But I've also never had a 17, 15 and a 13 year old, so I'm still learning about that. And I still make colossal mistakes, but to be able to have the awareness to stand back and go, right, that 
what good did that do? What good did that do to either of us? What good did that do for the family? Having that insight to step back and say, right, well, right, I'm the parent, okay, but yeah, I was wrong. I don't know everything. I'm learning here myself. And to have that kind of relationship with your children, it makes it a lot easier because then you trust and you take the time to understand each other. But a lot of parents go into the relationship saying, well, I'm the parent, I know best. I'm the parent, you'll do as you're told. I'm the parent, you, you'll do what I tell you to do. And it's, it's kind of like, these are little individuals with their own little personalities. And it's, it's getting to understand each other. There's boundaries, don't get me wrong, there is boundaries. But there's also understanding there as well. Yes, sure. So you, you've got three boys, you've got the, the, your eldest is 17, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The middle son is 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the youngest is 13. Yeah. What a wonderful, uh, what do you call them? Time gap, oh, the gaps between between them. They're very like similar, like teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my middle son and my youngest, uh, they are actually mistaken for twins because oh. they're the same height and... The joy that they have, they do everything together. There's only 15 months between the two. So <laughs> our Brandon, my oldest son, he's like the lone wolf. He does everything on his own. <laughs> but it, it's nice because they spend time as brothers as well. It's not like Jaden and Robert's constantly together and Brandon's on his own. They'll mix and it's utter mayhem when they mix. They just play fight and it's great hearing them laugh. But, uh, but it's a nice balance. It's a nice balance of them having their own time to, together and their own time by themselves. I try and I have tried to ingrain that in the, my boys is be comfortable with your own company. Don't feel like you have to have people there all the time. So so that's what so much so they want their own rooms. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I could imagine that energy in, in your home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's full on sometimes. <laughs> nice, nice. And um, yes, uh, Stacey, I, I also think, um, again, when I did my preparation for our episode, I did read how generally uh, people with special needs, well, children with special needs, well, people that put labels on them, how it can be limiting for them and how it can affect their self-esteem and self-image. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your opinion, how do labels and diagnosis affect a child's self-esteem and self-perception it can put them in that not good enough category and it can also have them in such a fixed mindset because they're constantly told what they can't do and i know somebody who's got a, a special needs child and she purposefully holds him back and she doesn't let him flourish and Unless he's doing something for her, she'll let him do what he needs to do. But when it comes to him doing what he wants, she'll tell him he can't do that. Now, recently, he's been, he's old enough to do what he wants to do. His mum doesn't have a say in it anymore. And he's finding that a struggle because everything that he wants to do, he, he automatically thinks he cannot do. He automatically thinks that that's something that he's, He's never been able to do, or people have told him that he can't do, so he doesn't take that leap to do it because it's like he's been in, he's been caged into this little I can't do that, and it's heartbreaking because he's a really he's a really close friend of mine, and to see him, he's so clever and he is intelligent. He's he's extremely practical, and seeing him lost the way he is. It's, it's quite heartbreaking because he could achieve so much. I'm working with him to gain his confidence to just at least go and try. What's the worst thing that can happen? But it is such a barrier for him to fight through this. I can't do it. I'll fail. I'll make a fool of myself. I've been told all my life I can't. And it's it's just, it can be so hindering on people. But yeah. Yes, it's very, yeah, all this self a child develops the self-limiting beliefs about himself or yourself that they can't do certain things because because of certain uh, I don't want to call it disease but uh, because of some condition they have and then 
as you said, when they grow, because the child, the one you mentioned, he's already gr- uh, old enough or adult enough to do to make his own decisions or to do his own things, and because he was conditioned probably from young age by his mother. Yeah, and then you've got the flip side of it. So he's ambitious, but he feels like he cannot do it. But there's another child that I know, and he's very much, well, I can't do it, I'm autistic. He uses that as an excuse not to do something. Mm-hmm. So it can make them fearful, or it can make them lackadaisical. To go, well, I can't be bothered because I've got this, so I might as well just use that as an excuse. I'm just like, my, my middle son's autistic, or Jaden, and I will not allow him to use his autism as an excuse not to do something. He struggles with some things, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. If he struggles, it might take him a bit longer to learn it, but that doesn't mean he cannot learn it. But it's, and I know a few people who do that with their children, they will not allow their conditions or diagnosis or disabilities or difficulties hold them back. So, I mean, one of my friends up in Scotland, she was diagnosed with dyslexia. She was a a head chef in a restaurant. So just because she couldn't read or write, she was still making these fantastic meals in an Italian restaurant by the time she was 18 because she was a practical learner then. And it's... It's not what you're told, it's how... See, so this is what is, is quite difficult with the whole child getting a diagnosis. There are some who will take on that diagnosis like it's a be-all and end-all. This is it, this is the way my child is going to be for the rest of their days. So I need to cater to his every one. I need to make sure that he's safe. I need to wrap him up in cold milk. There's other parents who will exploit that for monetary gain. Because a lot of people get disability living allowance if their child has, has got autism, Asperger's, ADHD, even depression, anxiety, everything like that, you get disability. So there's parents out there that make the symptoms look worse. But again, I've seen firsthand. And there is also people who are scared to let their children grow in, in case they make the wrong, the, the wrong decisions, they make mistakes when they're older. It's, I, I would love to coach those parents of each of the ones that I've mentioned. So the ones who manipulate, the ones who are morally cuddling, the ones who are terrified, and just say that they, these children are so durable. They're they're clever. They're the problem solving aspects is phenomenal. They've just got a different way of looking at things. It doesn't make it. Who said that the way we look at things is normal? Maybe they're maybe they're the ones that are evolving from the way we are, and they're seeing things from that we need to learn from. So it's it's understanding it from that aspect as well. It's just like it's not seeing what's wrong with them. It's saying like, what could they teach us? Because if they're seeing things a different way, they could teach us how to do that. So again, it's it's going on with understanding. It's going on with compassion. It's going on with an open mind and an open heart and saying like, okay. This diagnosis is not going to define who you are. Let's see what it can teach us along the way. Because my my Jaden's thinking is so abstract. It's so out of this world. He's very chronological in his thinking. He's excellent with dates. He's excellent with numbers. And he is so neat and professional the way he does everything. And I was like, I would love to be like that instead of doing everything half-hearted. He is very concise in everything that he does, because that's just the way he's. That's the way he's wired, and that's fine. So yeah, it's again, it's just going on with understanding. Understand them. Don't just see them as this label, because they're all different. Every single diagnosis, every. I don't care what if there's two people in the same part of the spectrum, they're going to be completely different. There's going to, and the spectrum is huge. And every single one of these people are completely different. So how can we label them with one label and expect them all to be taught under the same the same system? Go in and understand them first. That's where the difference is going to make is going to be made. Yes, and of course, as you said, children are growing and evolving. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, they stay this way or be in that capacity 
and obviously if the society limits them you know you can't do this because of your or don't include them in certain mm-hmm. activities they might feel something wrong with them as well and um yeah it's, it's interesting it's not only it's very important your as far as i understand your your family environment your parents how they you know they, how they speak to you how they interact with you and trying to understand them but also as a society in terms of society stacy what do you think how can we as a society how can we better support children with labels and diagnoses diagnoses to ensure they are not unfairly limited in their opportunities i see that that can come down as a it's not just a one thing this is going to be a whole collective of people coming together i mean i'm currently uh, going through my send course level two which is special educational needs and disabilities and the amount of legislation that's out there about people need to stick to these rules and it's teaching people it shouldn't have to be a rule to, to treat people with the respect that they deserve of being who they are, of being accepted, of being included. But they've actually had to come up with legislation so that people will stand by that. And I'm kind of, and it recently as 2010, recently as 2014, 2010 was the Equality Act. 2010, that was when the Equality Act came in. That's crazy. Isn't. Why is that so? What? Why is that come in so late? And then you've got another act that came in in two thousand and fourteen, and this was about acceptance. This was about inclusion. So why is that come in so late? This should be something that is that is taught in schools. This is something that should be ingrained in everybody. That it, regardless of what they look like or how they act, as long as they're not harming anybody, let them be how they want to be. Yeah. Let them be here. I mean, my kids, I've got three mixed race kids. And even now, there is people who will target them for their colour. And this is 2023. Get a grip, people. It, it just, I don't know. It's like an injustice. I see it as an injustice. But again, education is one thing. But we're going to have to come together. And we're going to have to come together as an understanding collective. You're going to have, I mean, Having fighting something like this is going to take more than one generation. This is going to take a while for people to get. But even if I can make the smallest little difference now, then then that's what I mean. We are hoping to get. I've worked with a a, a collective of ecologists and inside ecology, and it's called Edgecology, and we are hoping to get these life skills uh, in the school curriculum which is proven to be a little bit difficult. So we've even agreed that if we can't work inside the schools, we work alongside the schools. So we can help children with basic life skills that the schools don't teach to understand themselves a bit better, that the schools don't have time to teach. But it's, it's, it's not impossible. It's just proven a bit difficult. But that's something that we know that we know that we're going to do. So... Yeah, it's, somebody's got to make the first step. Wow, that sounds amazing, Stacey. What a great mission as well to have and help kids, um, you know, educate them, as you said, because school doesn't provide any any sort of support, I would say. Would you say support or education in that regard? Yeah, yes. Well, they don't. When it comes to a child struggling, girls will banter on all the time about they are an advocate of uh, like child mental health and pupils mental health and everything like that and they're not if anything it's the skills that can that cause it but the stress that they can put on the children I mean I can I can remember asking um one of the ecology members about how to prepare my son for bullying at school and he thought that I meant other kids I was like, not as teachers that are bullying my son. Because they used to get in his face. I mean, literally get in his face. And go, you've got to get this right. I was infuriated that that is the type of teaching that they decided to go for. And I was like, how is that going to encourage a child to learn? How is that going to encourage a child that they are doing their best when the teachers are even saying, and this is kids that are not 
special needs. And yet they're doing that, but she's still instilling that that belief that they're not doing it right, they're not getting it right, they're not they're doing it wrong. So that's all they're going to be thinking about, and they're going to be scared to go in. And that that drives me crazy. This is a school. It is a school that's supposed to teach kids not fear, not not frighten them. Unbelievable. I'm 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 shocked. And. A lot, of, I mean, a lot of people say to me, "Just take your kids out, take your kids out, and put them to a different school." Every school's the same. Why are the schools that are around here? And they've got a classroom called the bin. And basically, this is for the kids that the, the the teachers can't do anything about. So they're rubbish students, so they throw them in the bin. Like, can you like, can you imagine the children's belief system in themselves when they are put into that class, knowing it is labelled the bin? They're going to think that they are the trash of society. But instead of taking the time or bringing somebody in that's got the time to meet these kids where they are and find out how, what's stopping them, what's, what, what's, what belief system that they've got that's stopping them from doing the best that they can be. Not what the school wants them to do, but just to be the best that they can be. But they don't do that. They just throw them to one side like they're absolute rubbish. And that breaks my heart. These are children. These are before they've even got a chance to to become anything out in society. The, the schools have already labelled them. That breaks my heart. That really, really, that's a thorn in my side. It really is. So, yeah, the school is doing even more damage than good, where, you know, they're supposed to be educator and, you know, all these things. And, yeah, as you said, there are some, there is, there is, there is so much talk about mental health everywhere. Workplace, you know, in terms of schools, I suppose, yeah, that's obviously. But can you like walk, walk the talk? Do you do you do do you actually do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. If te- teachers are doing complete opposite, uh, theoretically, as well, damaging and damaging a child's uh, self-esteem mm-hmm. and self-worth as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just a hard. It just. I honestly feel like I'm throwing my boys to the wolves every morning, and it's it, it tugs at my heartstrings. And it, they they count down to the holidays. The first week of the holidays, all they do is sleep because the, it's like the pressures of school has come off them. And then the last week of the holidays, they're up all night because the anxiety is keeping them going because they're terrified to go back to school because everything they do, they do wrong. So when they're on holiday, I back off them. I'm like, right, if you're working on projects that you want to work on, I mean, Jaden, he's, he's, he, he was actually recognised in his hometown through his YouTube channel. Not his YouTube, not his YouTube, and his TikTok channel. Mm-hmm. And people were walking up and going, you're Jaden Taylor, aren't you? <laughs> and they were shaking his hand and I went, I love your TikTok and stuff like that. And I thought, wow, what? And Robert's doing really well with his YouTube channel. Brandon's doing really well with his music. And I just let them carry on doing what they they want to do so they could i know that they don't want the structure because they've got too much of that in school mm-hmm. so it just gives them that that freedom that little bit of freedom of being who they are not who everybody else expects them to be when they they can express themselves in a creative way i suppose without any without any as you said um red tape not red tape but, you know constant pressure from school Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, Stacey, yeah, sorry, coming back to school, I was just, it's just maybe, you know, for our listeners and from just for, yeah, for my, I won't say interest, but it's really interesting what's going on. Do they, as far as I understood, the, the teachers, um, how shall I say, they even, they get, they even get more strict if they know a child has a special needs mm-hmm. because they think, I don't know something wrong with him or her. Is that is that correct? The, the schools are very good at, at saying that they treat every child equally. No, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, they they label some as troublemakers. They they've, they've got the naughty children sitting at the front. They've got especially these children sitting at the front. And there was a, a child in Jaden's class. Um, I think it was last year, so that would have been year nine. And it was math. It was a maths a problem that the teacher was going going over, and that's that's some kids sitting next to Jaden, 
who was special needs as well, he really, really struggled. And he asked the teacher, he kept putting his hand up, he was like, I'm really sorry, sorry, he said, but I can't understand this. So the teacher went over it and the, the little lad put his hand up three times and he went, I'm, I'm sorry, sir, I'm, I, I, I just really struggled. He got an hour's detention because he was told he was wasting time in class and uh, he was lying about not understanding the the problem. So that instilled into Jaden and everybody else in the class that it's bad to ask for help. So they'll sit in class and they'll struggle and they'll panic because they know if they ask for help, there's a chance they can get a detention. And it's just, well, what is your job? If you're not there to teach it, and again, they just expect every child to learn the same way, and that's not going to happen. Yes. Yeah, of course, everyone is different. Um, everyone has different learning abilities. Someone's a bit faster, someone's a bit, you know, not that fast. Yeah. And uh, it's um, it's really important for the teacher not to maybe um, do this favoritism, you know, like, or oh, I favor children who are quick learners who don't ask questions, who just constantly, you know, know it all. But at the same time, it should teachers can put down you know the rest yeah who maybe not that who cannot cope and i might i remember myself from school there were a lot of subjects which i wasn't very strong enough mm-hmm. like maths physics it's just one the subject i could quickly comprehend yeah like and there were pu- pupils in my class they were you were, were excellent at math and physics mm-hmm. so everyone has yeah but i was very good at languages for example loved languages right. like history and humanities but there were kids who actually were quite weak in that area you know because everyone has you know preferences and different abilities but yes i think teachers definitely need some education actually yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's it's like i've got three children and each one of them learned completely different robert is hands-on he landscaped my garden he just loves doing stuff where it's he's building stuff or he's clearing stuff up I just need to go, Robert, could you hoover upstairs for me? No problem, I'll get the hoover out, here we go. And he'll yeah. go upstairs and he'll hoover the room. Anything to do with hands-on. Jaden, he's very much a thinker. He will sit and work out problems. He's he's excellent at math, he's excellent at English, he's excellent at science, he does computer science at school. And and Brandon, he's more the logical thinker. So he, he plans for stuff, he knows what he wants to do, he's the go-getter, he's... The ones that don't want any barriers in his way, he just goes for it. So each and every one of my kids are, are, are different learners. So if that's three different learners and three children, how many different learners are in a class of 30? So expecting all the children to learn the same way is so outdated. And it needs to be updated. The school, the school system is 100 years old, well, over 100 years old. And having... Having so many people, again, this is going to be another problem. It's going to take more than one one generation to sort out, but it's something that they need to be mindful of. Not every child learns the same. Yes, of course. Hopefully, teachers can listen to our episode. <laughs> it might be very helpful um, for some of them, as they say. I also was wondering how, again, coming back to labels, how can parents and educators? I'm talking about teachers advocate for children with labels to ensure they receive the appropriate resources and opportunities for growth. And you know, it's as simple as anything communication. As soon as my old, well, as soon as my kids started at school, I couldn't communicate with the high school. I had to threaten the school that I was taking my children out to homeschool them before they would get in contact with me. And because, especially when Jaden started, he's uh, under something called the autism exclusion, autism and teen um, children who's been diagnosed with autism, find out how they're getting on and work with the teachers. But it's it's also through them that I can get in contact with the school. The head teacher doesn't talk to anybody. The only time when she shows an appearance is when there's no work thing on, but she doesn't talk to, to parents directly. <clears throat> Excuse me. So just be open to communicate. Because the teachers don't want to deal with frustrated parents. We'll talk to them. It won't make them frustrated then. Because that is what's making them frustrated is 
they cannot talk to you about any issues that come up. I mean, my my kids' school receptionists know me personally because <laughs> I'm always on the phone to them and I'm like, I need to talk to somebody, I need to talk to somebody. And, Sorry, there's nobody there. We'll get them to phone you back. Nobody's phoned back. And it's just as frustrating when you're trying to get stuff sorted out for your children. Special needs or either. Open up communication with the parents. They don't even do parents' evening anymore. We used to go to school every year, but now it's online. And when it's online, you have five minutes. And then it automatically cuts off. Well, the teachers just talk for that five minutes. So the parents haven't got a chance to ask a question. They haven't got a chance to talk about the teacher, about how the learning's coming on, how they are in class. Are they confident? Are they scared? Do they get on well with people? Is there people that are backing them up? Is there people that... You cannot ask the teachers anything. But the teachers are talking at you, which is going to make the parents, again, even more frustrated. Just open up communication. That's that. Yes, that's very frustrating. And I can can completely understand your frustration. Genuinely, I can see Stacey, the way you the way you speak about this, and it's so unfair. And it's just, yeah, as you said, very um, poor communication from their side. And maybe as well, it seems to me they they don't want to communicate. And I do it in a... Yeah, you know, the parents are... I mean, my, my oldest son was told by a PE teacher not to listen to me. Again, I hit the roof. I went, who do you think you are? I don't care. If you've got all these degrees, you do not tell my kids not to listen to me. I've had Jaden, and he's got severe trust issues when it comes to teachers. He had a really, really bad experience when he was uh, five. A teacher threatened to show him up in front of the class. She was awful. She was such a... She, she squared up to me. She, she actually came into my face and she thought I was there to attack her. And I was like, I just want to talk to you about something. And I, I mentioned about what had happened. And she says, if I find out you've done that again, I'm going to tell the whole class what a horrible little boy you are. And then she walked away. So uh, when Jaden went, we, we tried to build his trust up with the teachers. He went to high school. He was attacked outside the school by this young lad. And the young lad told one of his teachers and that teacher got a hold of Jaden. And she had him in front of the class and she says to Jaden, if I find out that you've ever been in a fight again, she says, I will make sure that you get two days isolation. But what she didn't know was it was the other kid that started the fight. And I, I was on, as soon as he told me that, we, me, it was my partner that was driving and we were bringing the kids back from school. The car hadn't even stopped out the front and I was out the car in the house and on the phone. And I was like, you're going to break the trust, but I couldn't talk to anybody. I could not get a hold of anybody to see. We worked so hard to build Jaden's trust in teachers and what that teacher said that has broke his trust again. But I couldn't I couldn't get in contact with anybody. So it's just open up communication. As simple as that. Yeah. And be nice. You know, why you have to do all these things. It's not, it seems to me that so children, you know, these teachers just gives more anxiety to children. Oh, they do. They do. Yeah. Now, now I see why you wanted to do homeschooling. <laughs> Probably made more sense Can't for that. mental health benefits. Just for sheer, just peace of mind. Just, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it was a couple of months after that, I managed to talk to the head of my son's year and I mentioned the teacher. And he says, oh, ha. He went, he says, yeah, he says, he gets us, um, she she gets us teachers really, really scared as well. And I was like, how the hell is that supposed to come from me? If she's scaring other teachers, how is she going to look to a 12-year-old? I was like, so how are you justifying her that way? But she scares you as well. I says, if that's what she's like, she shouldn't be in the school setting. I mean, I understand, I understand rules. I understand consequences. I've said to the teachers, if my kids have done wrong, have at them. Give them the detention, give them the isolation, give them the reports. Because if my kids do wrong, they need to know that there's consequences with it. But the, some of the consequences is just, it's eye-watering. I mean, they, they've got to wear blazers at school. If they roll up their, a sleeve, it's an hour's detention per sleeve. So if they walk about with both sleeves up if it's hot, they can get two hours detention. 
if they wear white socks, it's detention. Their equipment, so like their, uh, their rubber, pencil, pen, ruler, if they forget any of them, it's an hour per equipment that they haven't got. If they forget the homework, it's an hour. They are bombarded at school, at home, from the, the, the app saying you haven't started your homework yet. You've still got X amount of tasks to do before this. You, you haven't started this homework yet. They get maths homework set every Friday. Before they've even got home from school, I'm getting an email from the school saying that they haven't started their, their homework, their maths homework. And I'm like, when did they get a chance to be then? I don't know, see, doing this, I've just realised I have got such a vendetta against school. <laughs> yeah, well, they actually track them. So they send this, uh, wow, these reminders, or, you know, they have, they've seen they need, I don't know, if they have submitted something, like, oh, you know, I haven't done this. Yeah, yeah. I get four, four emails a day telling me what homework they've got, what homework they haven't started. And, I, I, do you know, it makes parents rebel. Because there's a few, there's a few parents that's just said we are sick of the emails, we are sick of the the constant bombardment. And she says, I mean, a few of the a few of the parents have said they tell their kids, oh, don't worry about it, do it when you feel like it, mm-hmm. because it's just it's too much. The kids, there's too there's too much pressure, way too much pressure, and it's not fair. No. You know, we all have one childhood in life, right? Mm-hmm. And it says, generally, if you read any um, psychology books or self-help books, everyone everyone says everything, uh, like all the problems, everything starts in childhood. And it's so important not to screw it up when you're as a kid. Um, and um, it seems to me that, you know, the educational system actually doesn't do a good job in this regard. Yeah. And do you? Yeah, sorry to say, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's if that's why, because from a personal experience, when I found out that my child did possible ADHD, the bottom fell out my world. First, I thought I'd done something wrong. I gave up work. I just, I needed to be there with my son. But then the fear kicked in that he's not going to do well at school. He's going to be told off. That that was such a huge uh, factor with the fear based stuff was about school with parents with with teachers saying to parents that your child's not achieving you need to do this you need to do that it's it's like peer pressure and it's like emotional blackmail and that's going to have a knock-on effect because the teachers are getting it from the government that their school's not doing good so the teachers will pass that on to the parents that your child's not doing doing enough. And the parents will feel the guilt and they'll have a go at their children to make sure that they do better. But the, the children already are also getting it from the teachers when they go to school. So it's a vicious circle of bullying, peer pressure and emotional blackmail. Yes. And when was your son diagnosed with ADHD? What, at what age? Uh, no, he's autistic. Um, he was 12. When he was diagnosed. Oh, ASD, sorry. You just, ASD, yeah, yeah, sorry, ASD, yeah. yeah. Autism, sorry. Yeah, and my youngest has been diagnosed with severe anxiety. So, yeah. I mean, my, my, my youngest, he had, not my youngest, my oldest, when he was three, he had the mental age of a 15-month-old. And that was where my journey began with the whole special needs thing because I just... I was devastated when I found that out, and um, because he couldn't talk, he couldn't he couldn't string two words together when he went to primary school. Again, we went to the the, the classes and everybody was on about what their kids couldn't do and what they should be doing by now, and it was it was demoralising. It was depressing. It was it wasn't very hopeful. So we got him a game console. It was the Xbox. And he absolutely loved Guitar Hero, which is the game. Then you've got the guitar as the, the controller. And he just, he, the, the levels that he was at, I mean, he was, what, four, four and a half? And he was just going crazy with this stuff. And I can remember saying to him, I says, if you want to learn how to do music, I says, you need to learn how to count, because you need to count the beats. I says, you need to learn how to write, because you need to write the music. 
I say, so you need to learn how to read because you need to read the music. And see, as soon as he learned that, he became like a sponge. He was like a, an A-star student. He overshot the runway. He was, he just couldn't take in enough information. And they could not believe that that was what he was like when he started primary school, that he couldn't talk. That was that. Because people want him to learn a certain way that he couldn't learn. You put something that he was interested in and he's found fun. He just, he went off on a tangent. He just went and did his own thing and he just took everything in. So he's, it's just giving them that time to realise who they are. Instead of going, no, you shouldn't, you need to learn this way. It's like, okay, what are you interested in? Let's explore. Explore's a great word. Children love exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't put them into any boxes. And um, that's just, that's probably, yeah, what the school and maybe some part of our society does and uh, sometimes as well parents. And that's why, you know, a child can develop these limiting beliefs about themselves and it, it might hold them back. Or as you said, also it might also be like a, I don't know, a reason of not to pursue something they want. Mm -hmm. in future and yes of course we all we just all very different like I for example said I wasn't I can't say I wasn't particularly academic at school but when I grew up uh, I, I didn't grow up thinking well you know there is something wrong with me because I know if I maybe put a lot of effort in my math I probably would excel in them and um, it's just and the career well the the university I chose, I chose to study linguistics, so it had nothing to do with math. So that's why my, you know, I was constantly focusing on that particular area, on, on my languages, to, you know, to pass exams, to enter the university. But generally, I know, and actually there were some exams at schools, and I, I actually had to hire a private teacher, and I did very well. I, I did very well at my exams after I worked with somebody privately. But again, it didn't... As I'm just saying that I don't think we all, and as you said, your sons, you know, they, you know, they, 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 they're good at their own thing, mm -hmm. their own subjects, and they can play the guitar, one of your songs. Wow. And um, it's nothing, it's interesting how society, as you say, <clears throat> label us and um, teachers can treat you in a different way just because, you know, you're not good at something. Yeah, and things like that. <clears throat> Stacey, I was also I sent just for our audience to just for understanding your all your three songs, mm -hmm. all the, two of your songs with special needs. They all go to just normal school. Yeah, yeah, it's mainstream school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just to, yeah, to let them know. And Stacey, we did already touch upon challenges that parents um, with uh, of children with special needs face. Which we were talking about the school. <clears throat> educational system we were talking about generally the, the the family environment would you say anything else would you add to that to the challenges right the, the challenges the, there is some children who has generally got learning difficulties there's children who's genuinely got mental health issues and although we've got a great nhs system over here it's uh the wait list to be seen by a therapist or a counselor or psychiatrists, especially an educational psychologist, can take up to two and a half years. So, I mean, even even in schools, my oldest son, when he was going through his GCSEs, he found that quite a struggle. And he went and spoke to, there's something called student support. And he says he's really struggling. She says, right, she says, we're going to get you in a student counsellor. She says, and you can see him once a week. And... That was what two years ago, two and a half years, two and a half years ago, and I'm still waiting for him to go and see Brandon. And it's there's no urgency there. There's no, and children's mental health has becoming like a huge issue right now, more than ever before. So, having services there to accompany that is going to be invaluable. Not only for the, the the students, but also for the parents, because one of my 
I'll, I'll give you another for instance. One of my, my son's friends in school, she was going through such a hard time in school through the, the GCSEs and the study and the pressure that she was actually self-harming. She was slashing her wrists and she just wanted to die because she just felt like she had nothing to look forward to. Everything was a pressure and we were genuinely worried for her because he was terrified to go into school one day and somebody tell her that, that she passed away through the night. So, but the schools knew about this, but they didn't ease up on the pressure. They didn't get her any counselling. Her mum had to go through it and she had to go through it privately, which cost her mum. And I'm just thinking for something that's such a big problem that even the government is coming out and saying that this is a problem. Why is there no more services put in place to help these children to get through these these difficult times, these pressurising times? Again, it's heartbreaking to see these kids suffering. It's such a long wait list as well to see a counsellor or any therapist. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Just unbelievable that people who need help, like you know the the you know the girl you mentioned. Sometimes even speaking to a therapist or counselor really help. You know, mm-hmm. it, it does help. And if we don't have access to these services, it's obviously, yeah, it's it's very yeah. sad. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's been able to offer a service where it's okay to be it's okay to to feel vulnerable in front of, to cry, to let it go, to talk about it with no judgment, no agenda, just to be able to listen. Because sometimes I saw these kids need, they don't need to be fixed. They don't need to be advised. They just need to be listened to. They need to be understood. But again, it's, it's like, I've always said the abuse kicked downwards. So the government's kicking the the schools, the schools kicking the teachers, teachers are kicking the parents, parents are kicking the students, but also the teachers are also kicking the students. So it's like that. The abuse kicked it, and the kids are the ones that are getting the brunt of it because they're getting it from all angles, and they've got nobody that they can go to for help. Because you see, even parents sometimes, what I, well, I'm probably I'm judging by my little nephew. It's just sometimes my sister's son, like for example, she she wishes all the best for him, but sometimes she doesn't know how to best to approach in certain situations, mm-hmm. and. Children's, would you call them therapists or counselors? They they know the approach how to work with chil- with children, or some of them who are actually good, and they can be very helpful mm-hmm. um, in you know in this regard. But it's um, yeah, it's a shame that we don't have these services available when people need them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 very very sad. And we did uh, talk quite a lot about um, the schools in this episode. I don't know whether I should come back to this question genuinely. How can we better support children with special needs in our schools? Uh, would you say maybe, you know, have, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I would probably, I would do maybe hire therapists or counselors who would work maybe at school or, and yeah. also communications of just, you know, have, so children will, so children, the teachers will have, are educated enough and treat kids fairly and better. Sorry, I'm I'm getting very passionate about this subject. <laughs> so, no, I mean, it, th- this is what I love about doing these things because something just comes up, right? We'll see the way doctors have got referral systems. So if there's anything that doctors can't handle, they refer them on to a specialist who can deal with whatever situation. Not special needs, just anything physical, right? They, they send them to a specialist. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, I love it when this happens. Get referral systems in schools to say, right, we know a whole bunch of therapists or a whole bunch, scratch the therapists, we've got a whole bunch of life coaches who are willing to step in and help. We're not inside the curriculum, but we are a part of a referral system. So if you know somebody that is going through a hard time, you know somebody that's going through even the start of a flash of a mental health situation, send them to us, refer them to us. That's what we're here for. So that's that. I'm going to make a note of that because that is. I'm going to mention that to the Educology and Referral System. Yes, that will be great. Actually, I was going to ask you how the uh, the program you are currently working with our fellow colleges. How how are you going to implement it? Like as you said, it will be 
working directly with kids? How do you go or you, yeah, what's the strategy behind it? Well, that we're still trying to work out just now. Um, we're working on our own businesses. So my business is established and it's up and running, uh, but I just need to learn how to sell myself. So I'm putting in for marketing and stuff like that. Uh, so that we can be known, we are getting like a, a promotion together. So like a PowerPoint of who we are, what we do, what we aspire to do, and who each of the, the members are and their expertise. So we've got Gabby, she's a role model. She's amazing. And we've got Matt, he deals with homeschooling and future aspirations. We have got Gabby, uh, not Gabby, but uh, Eric, she deals with, she's, she she says she loves to work with single parents because she used to be one herself. And she's also a, an excellent grief counsellor. And then we've got Sarah, who is a 17-year-old ecologist. She's the youngest ecology, ecologist in ecology. She's got a mind like no other. And she can bring a lot to the table when it comes to dealing with kids her own age. And me, that deals with parents special needs children but also children who have got mental health like situations just being able to to take the time to talk to just to go through so we're working on that just now and but again we've tried to get it into a school in Germany and it just it didn't work out so we're going to keep at this because this is too important we're going to keep at it it's not what we want to do it's what we see that needs to be done so this is what we are doing. It's a passion for all of us. And it's, again, it's, it's too important. So I'm going to actually mention that referral system because, again, I think that would be quite valuable. So, yeah. I'm, I, I'm due a, a meeting during the summer holidays with my son's music teacher, who's a deputy head, and I'm going to explain everything that we're doing. And she's very much... She teaches the student, not the subject. So she sees where the student is and goes to their level to build them up. She doesn't just expect the, te the, the students to go do this, do that, do the other. So she's very much into the mental health. She really does work with children when it comes to mental health. So I think that she would try and grasp this with both hands. And also the autism inclusion team. And I've mentioned about what I do with that as well. So again, if we can be like, because again, the schools have got like the autism inclusion team. They've got um, Senko, which is a special education coordination teacher. There's nothing stopping us stopping them having like a life coaching, especially young adults, and also especially not just high schools, but kids in year six going up to year seven, because making that leap from primary school up to high school is terrifying for some kids. Having that support there can make such a difference as well. And their way to their future. This is their future. We're talking about it's not ours. It's not society's. It's not. Uh, yeah, okay, it's how we society comes together. But if we build confident, loving, understanding, compassionate little people, they're going to Grow up, grow up in a strong, confident, compassionate, and understanding adults. So it's a one-one. One. Thank you. That sounds sounds this sounds amazing. Such a um it nation and uh, very purposeful. You know, you I can see you have a very, you know, big vision and purpose to change the system for the better. Yeah. To improve life of kids and to improve their mental health. And become, you know, helping them to become confident in who they are, you know, and showing this love. And I, I think that's what seems to me that what a lot of teachers are lacking is just love for children. You know, you need to, if you work with children, you really, apart from your technical qualities, I think you definitely need to have these, you know, inner qualities, like soft skills, but also you need to love children mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, do this, do that, do that. Just, yeah, yeah. Like a... But Army. Again, it's also educating them that they are accountable for their lives. There's a lot of kids coming up expecting everybody else to cater to their whims. And it's like, no, that's not the way life works. You need to be completely accountable and responsible for your life. 
you need to be completely responsible for your emotions. You need to be responsible for your actions. You need to be responsible for your outcomes because their expectations are a little bit higher and not achievable. So, yeah, it's by all means, go for what you want to go for. The only person that will ever stop you at the end of the day is yourself. But be accountable and be responsible for the way you go about things. Because regardless, there's consequences. There's good consequences. It could be bad. But regardless, there's going to be a consequence. But the kids now don't understand that. It's, I'm entitled. I can get this. I want that. I'm going to throw the biggest tantrum and in the school, if I don't get this, I'm going to slash my dad's tires if I don't get that. And some of them, it's like, okay, there is some who really, really struggle. But there's some who go that is also going to need the, really? Time for a reality check. Yeah. What's that Kane says? I grab a can of grow the hell up. I thought that was a reason. <laughs> That's very important to, uh, yeah, to learn to teach children to take responsibility for their own lives, for their emotions, for their actions, behavior, since young, since a young age. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's very important. Uh, even, you know, adult, adults, when they grow up, it still takes time to actually understand it on the head level and then actually take action. Yeah. That's why a lot of people actually, um, come to life coaching for that purpose. But yeah, Stacey, I wish you all the best with your project i know you will do um an awesome work and and change the system and everything for the better i can see you know i can see that driving you and uh, before i wrap up this episode do you have any advice or recommendation would recommendation that you would give to other parents of children with special needs well i don't like giving advice um, we as coaches, we don't give advice. It's for our listeners. <laughs> yeah. it's, I can only go by like personal experience. And that's let your children show you who you are, who, who they are. Don't assume that you know your children. They know themselves better than we will ever. We don't own them. And they owe us nothing. Get to know them. On their level. Just understand just listen to understand that's it because that really helped my oldest son open open to me when I'd, I'd, I when I stopped giving advice when I had stopped the expectations that I expected from him and I just sat back and I just listened with absolutely no agenda whatsoever I just it was it was easier for him and Again, but with you doing that with the older siblings, the, the younger siblings see it, and then they they begin to confide in me as well. So, my my sons talk to me about everything, about the likes or dislikes or problems, because they know I don't judge. Even if they do something wrong, well, if you learned a lesson, you're going to do it again. No, so, well, no point in going on about it. Lessons learned. And they're quite good because they don't do it again. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just just get to know your children. Get to know their strengths. The weaknesses will work themselves out. Yeah. And love them. Love them unconditionally. People. Oh, thank you yeah. so much, Stacey. Yes, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's so important to be non-judgmental and get to know them and accept for who they are. And it's, I might say something silly now, but I just, it, it was in my head, just having, based on what you told me about their school and thinking how lucky they are to have a mom like you, you know, mm. someone who understands, who accepts them for who they are, just does, who doesn't take the same approach as school does, you know, preaching and labels on them and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's they're very lucky to have you. <laughs> well, that's sweet. Yeah, because there's, there's some kids that come home from school and they haven't got anybody to talk to. Their parents are absent, they're working. A lot of people go for lifestyle rather than family time. And so they work and kids are going home to empty houses. And some of them can feel quite isolated. So it's just having awareness and understanding that 
not all the kids have got the luxury of having parents that are there. Some parents, um, some kids haven't got the luxury of having two parents. It's just go around the understanding, get to know them. Yeah. That's that. Get to know them. Yeah. No, it's very true. Cost nothing, just, you know, just take time and be there for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Stacey, for joining me today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you today. I'm, I'm so excited. It was such a great conversation. And um, before the, we finish, where can our listeners find you or connect with you? Um, I have got a Facebook page. Uh, it's just Stacey Anderson. There's a picture of me on it. Uh, I haven't got a business one yet. So um, if you want to connect, you can connect with me through that. Uh, and I've got a, a website. I'm currently working on it, but I'm about to publish it. And it is SA Life Coaching. Code, yes. SA Life Coaching.co.uk. That's it. Yeah. So I'll be getting published shortly. And that's the only um, social media I've got. Um, I'll, I'll be listed once I get the other ones up and running I'll list it on my website yes wonderful Stacey thank you so much I will uh, link I'll put all the links uh, to your website and to your um, Facebook page in the show notes for our listeners and again you thank you so much for being on my show Stacey it was wonderful to have you always a pleasure Rukhina thank you thank you Stacey thanks yeah. Become the best version of yourself with Coaching Chats.